It's ten times the terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm not okay. Hello, hello, and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. My name is James. And I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. And today we're discussing Scream 6, and we're joined by one of our fellow ghost faces, Danny, who's been on the podcast before and talking about this franchise. Hey, Danny, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Hey, hey everybody. And, and yes, as I mentioned, we're talking about Scream 6, which means similar to Jason in Friday the 13th Part 8, we are taking Manhattan. That's right. <laughs> new York, new rules. Um, yeah, so Scream 6, which is currently playing in theaters, it opened on March 10th. And so, yeah, we're going to kind of go around, give our thoughts. We're probably going to go right into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Scream 6, go see the movie and then come back and listen to our podcast. But so I'll just real quickly read the synopsis as kind of a, a new sort of trend we're doing here, according to IMDb, which is in the next installment, the survivors of the ghost face killings leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York City. And so, yeah, this is Scream 6. This is, you know, the second sort of chapter, if you will, after the one last year that has Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera, as well as Courtney Cox, and is directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillett, same team from last time, kind of taken over the helm since Wes Craven. Um, you know, obviously they, they did Ready or Not, a movie I really enjoyed. But so we'll kind of go around and give our initial thoughts and then kind of just go right into it. So I'll start with uh, Gwen. What did you think of Scream 6? I loved this movie, but I would also put this movie up there with the originals for me. This was like the first time in the Scream franchise that like this one was as good as the first one for me. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. wow. Fighting words. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and that's all I'm going to say right now. And then we can get into it. Paul Leggett, what do you think? I really liked it. Um, I'm not sure I was I put it above the, the first one, the original Wes Craven. And I like the remake that was done just a couple of years ago. But it, um, you know, it, it's about the genre and it's very traditional in a lot of areas. Uh, but the way it's done is, of course, not uh, the idea of using the subway in New York as a as a, again, I'm all spoiler alert all over the place. But that's that's a longstanding uh, convention. But it definitely symbolizes New York settings for horror films or mysteries. You know, the French Connection back in the 70s. Uh, had a major thing on on the New York subway. So uh, to, to include that setting was really good. The theme of revenge is what fuels so many horror stories. Uh, what's nice about this is that you don't have Courtney Cox's character playing the the same rescue role. She's she's certainly there, but the, the, I, I like the two sisters, and um, but the theme of revenge. And you're, you know, the sins of the parents are being given, being put upon the children. That's all in there. Um, again, my only thing that this maybe sound uh, old fashioned is just uh, it, it could have been a little less bloody and um, the language could have been a little better. That's just my personal preference. But no, I think um, I think that the, the whole Scream franchise is um, one of the best examples we have of postmodern horror. Danny, what did you think of Scream 6? I think it was like a lot closer to, you know, Scream 5, the the, the first requel, um, or even the, the first Scream than any of the others have been. And it's like, you know, the least perceptible drop off from like one great Scream to another. Um, I, I wasn't, I don't think it was quite as good as the last one, 
And Gwen, hot, hot take. I, I got to hear your reasoning for Up as, Up as one of the best horror films. But I, I think like even the, the things that I could nitpick were, were double-edged swords. Like, so they, they still kind of worked as much as they didn't work for me. Like I was, I was really about this and I'm, I'm so glad they said it in New York. I, I would just say slightly, slightly not up to the same standard as last year's, but very close. Yeah, I'm going to echo all you guys. I, I really like this movie as well. I was leaving this thinking, like, is this my favorite franchise? Because, like, I, I think I like every single one. And, like, I can't think of a more consistent franchise. Now, granted, Danny and I are about to go see John Wick 4, so that could change everything. <laughs> but at least for horror franchises, like, I, I'm amazed how, how, at the very least, they're all good, if not great. I think I would kind of agree with Danny. I, I think before this, I would have put the last Scream, like Scream 5, as maybe like my number two overall. And I think this movie is about on par with that one for me. I think last year's movie did certain things better. I think this one did certain things better, but overall, they even out. But yeah, I mean, I think for this to be the sixth movie and, and for it to, to, I think, not just be a kind of a fun, you know, obviously a slasher movie. I think it has a lot of great kills, a lot of great... Uh, chase sequences but also i mean for all let's talk about you know requels and legacy and kind of moving on i do think this series has done a very um kind of easy and seamless job of handing this franchise over to a new cast and kind of like slowly phasing out the the legacy characters like courtney cox or like i mean nev campbell's not in this but like you know for other reasons but like i think they're doing a good job of sort of letting the new cast kind of take over and i think it's it's handled a lot better than other franchises i won't mention um and i agree i love the new york setting i think it's fresh it, it adds a lot of fun i think they get a lot of creativity out of the set pieces and and yeah i mean it's it's i think it's just a really fun movie and i'm amazed that a sixth movie in a slasher series can be this good the remake which is not part of the secret that that was the one that was a a year or two ago mm-hmm. well so it's it's a requel so technically like they kind of explain that how like, it's still right technically part of the series but it is sort of like a soft reboot and then yeah. with this one i thought the fourth one was the worst one like the really? one from like yeah the one where it was the sister in the hospital or whatever yeah i didn't like that one that one i thought a great ending and that one had kirby who makes an appearance in this one i thought that was a great idea of bringing the legacy back where she yes that's she true comes back and i thought that was a nice touch and yeah i mean i think i think the only issue with a series like this is because it's so you know kind of uh, relying on like its, it's meta-ness and how it comments like there's only kind of so many new angles you can kind of approach meta commentary and so I think that's where this one to me is not maybe as clever as the last one but even with that the way it's like it's a franchise and we're gonna everyone's everyone's a suspect and what kind of that I thought that was a nice touch as well as kind of giving fans what they want with Kirby coming back with characters like Courtney Cox still being there the, the whole genius of this is the idea that you've got one murderous character but always two people portraying him. Well, three in this one. Yeah, three in this one. Right, right. No, but I mean, going all the way back to the original one, right. Uh, but that idea that you've got, you know, multiple v villains being, in a sense, the same character being the same ghost face. Well, I got to I gotta just get right into the opening. So the opening was great. Love uh, the a, opening. A wonderful homage to Psycho, where you have a famous blonde actress, in this case, Samara Weaving. And then, again, after she's murdered... This is the first time ever where we see Ghostface immediately take his mask off. And that, of course, becomes sort of like a, a misdirect as well, because then there's another one. But that was just a great kind of homage to Psycho, where it's like the, the female yeah. lead is killed off and then we switch perspectives. And then, of course, you know, on top of that, we get Psycho posters in the apartment and Vertigo and just so many kind of chock full of references here and there. Totally. And, and echoes the first scream, which is echoing Psycho. Yes, for sure. 
Oh yeah, I I, I loved I love the first three th scenes. Like you know, if, if if there's any nits to pick, I think that those were probably like it's that those were maybe the three best in the movie. But that's not a bad thing. Opening a movie really hot like that. I love like you said, James, the misdirection and like you know you see you see who you think is Ghostface interacting with um. I think her name is Tara, Jenna Ortega's character, and her friends. And you're like, oh, this is different. Like, we, yeah. we know who Ghostface is. But just the bodega scene alone, I feel like they really took it to another level, changing the scenery, which I think is what I liked the most about this one and why I mm -hmm. put it so high up is because it felt, although it plays into other horror movies, kind of like um, inspiration, taking Scream to New York City, it really made it, so different for me in a lot of ways where I felt like all of the interactions with Ghostface and all the different angles and twists and turns just felt a lot fresher because it was in the city. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm for the, the resident historian. Uh, it makes <laughs> me think of the, 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 the seventh victim. Yes. Uh, oh, 100%. Which, yeah, you know, with, uh, New York City, uh, definitely the, the subway. Where he, was the opposite of the, of the one here. The one, the one in that one is there's nobody on the subway except the, you know, the killers and the murder victim. Yeah, yeah everybody's on the subway. Well, what uh, I liked I'll, about that subway scene as I was watching it is I was like, 100% someone could get stabbed in the subway and no one would know for at least like 10 car stops. Like oh, it just absolutely. felt like so like, oh yeah, this would definitely happen. Although the second Ghostface stood up, I'd be out. I'd be going into the next car. I don't know why she just <laughs> stood there. Like I would be like, now I'm switching cars. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that is, that is the whole thing of the seventh victim. Yeah, it, it's um, the whole thing of the subway is a, becomes the scary locale. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, yeah, the idea you could be, you could have a, a dead person on the subway and nobody would know. Oh yeah. Happens yeah. every day. And I just yeah. want to echo what you said, Gwen. I love the bodega scene too. I, I didn't mean to make it seem like I thought the first three scenes were great and everything else is just meh. Like Ghostface no, with no, Top It's pretty cool. I thought it was, and like the fact that this Ghostface kind of like went super AWOL in terms of like what we've seen where it's like, oh snap, now he's just shooting everybody with a shotgun <laughs> like i was just like okay um but hot take i liked this one better than the last one um but i you can't really have this one without the last one right so like it's kind of like a chicken or the egg but for me i liked this one a lot better because i felt like it was a lot more successful in actually passing on the torch of the franchise whereas the last one was fantastic and i loved it but the og is still were the anchor for that film and still really carried that film for me. Whereas at the end of this one, I am ride or die for those sisters. If they become bad and start stabbing people, I wouldn't even be mad. Like I, the, the, the fab four, whatever they name themselves has been solidified for me in this film where now I'm like, these are now my new screen people. So that's where I feel like it was better in that sense for me, because I feel like they successfully passed the torch in this one. Hmm. I would agree with that. I I think for me, as I said kind of early on, how I think they're e pretty equal for me because I think the last one did certain things better versus this one. I think for me, the last one, the meta-ness of like the requel and kind of what does a requel mean was a little more clever versus like yes. this being a franchise. And I think like going into like, you know, full spoilers, like I think the the reveal of like the boyfriend at the last one where it's like they're just like the toxic fans 
totally echoes like last jedi haters and stuff and people on reddit (laughs) whereas whereas i think like for this one for me like the the reveal of like the family it's like okay it's it's fine but i think for me the family was very sick right james they were very (laughs) sick yes but but i think i think having said all that what i think this one does better is i agree when i think the core four in this one is a lot stronger i think they have better chemistry and they are more memorable and i agree they can carry the franchise now and i think i know Dad, you said you didn't like the kills. I thought the kills in this were a lot better. A lot more fun, a lot more visceral. I love the scene where they're crossing the ladder. I thought that was totally a vertigo nod. And I agree about the bodega scene. I think what's so fun about setting in New York is you think, okay, if they're in public, they're safe. It's like, nope, not at all. They're on the subway. Like, Ghostface has a shotgun. It's. I thought it just made, it was kind of all bets are off, which I liked. You think, like, oh, if they're in public, they should be safe. And really, that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. I'd love to know uh, the screenwriters uh, how much they knew the seventh victim because there's so much that's it. You know, there's a great scene in the seventh victim where, um, was it the you know the heroine is uh, running away from the, the killer who's stalking her the, from the witchcraft coven. The whole group is going in. The whole group of people going in, into a into a bar uh, with costumes. I mean, and she just merges in with them, thinking she'll, she'll be safe in the bar. Uh, with all the other people, and she's not. You know, <laughs> you know, you're 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 just in, more in an area where you can't get out. You know, you're, you're you become trapped by what you think is the escape route. Right, and Dad, you peeped the bus scene in the beginning, right, when she's walking down the dark um, alleyway, and then she, like you, it's like screaming or something from like the the sidewalk, and then yeah. and then she gets stabbed right after that. Yeah, but I thought that was great. Mm. I'm with James. I thought the meta stuff was funnier in, in the last one. Like I just remember when when they were yeah, sitting, I think in in the twins' house in in the first requel, like laying out the rules. I just remember I was like howling, laughing. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah, it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of it is this is like a final exam for a film for a horror film class. How many you know uh, class can you identify that they're referencing? You know. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, yeah, like change made the obvious ones of, of Vertigo and Psycho, and uh, certainly the Seventh Victim. You know, you got really major, major character, uh, you know, artists here, and Hitchcock, and and not only that, but the, and, yeah. not only that, but the the first killer in the opening scene kills his professor because he got a C minus on his Dario Argento paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. That was great. I love that. Yeah. That absolutely. Time. Absolutely. Uh, again, how many references can you can you count? Uh, there, you know, and it's not just references to, to, to Dario Argento. It's also you got echoes of Zospira. Yeah, I, that's the point where I, I, I said I'm not crazy about all the blood, but but boy, that the Zospira references are pretty clear. Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't. Totally. The violence did not bother me in this. I one of my favorite parts though, and I told James this was when um they're in the the apartment. What's her name of um Courtney Cox's character, Gail. And yeah. um yeah, one of my favorite parts is when she's on the phone with him and she's like, "Please hold," and she like hangs yeah. up and calls him back. Awesome. <laughs> I was like, that was so clever. It's like you have to give them credit for coming up with still new clever ideas when like. They're basically playing off of themselves at this point. Totally, exactly. they're playing off of the whole, the whole tradition. I mean, I, I you know, they are, but they've done it so hero. many times now. You know, it's like they are the tradition. Yeah, well, they're you know they're they're recreating it, but I mean, they're certainly following it too, which makes it really you know special. Starting you know with the the, the Courtney Cox character from the first film, 
but this, the sisters, you know, that, and again, the whole, the whole motif of revenge. I mean, that, that's Edgar Allan Poe and, you know, scores of other stuff. What I, I like to, I like to, with, with, um, with Sam, the older sister's character, you know, they have all, all this kind of with both these movies, there's like this idea that because she's, she's Billy's, you know, daughter that she has this, like, this bloodlust and like, kind of like, even the very end where she's kind of holding the mask, it's like, is she going to be a killer? And I feel like they're doing a job of, of like leaving that door open, but not yes. really committing to it. Yes. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, like, like the whole, the second that like they're on the balcony and she's like, you have to let me go. And it's like so metaphorical in so many ways of this, like, you can't be so overprotective of me throughout the whole film. And when they both just go full ham, like, you you think we're scared of you? Like you're about to be scared of us. And like I just lo- I loved how they just went full blown both as sisters and just like wiped the floor with them. It was my favorite. And there are there are some some like between both like the subway scene and even the um like the frat party scene. Or there's a lot of fun little Easter eggs with the costumes. So like for example the subway scene there's a Babadook which like that was obviously mentioned in the last movie. Um, Gwen, there was a couple of Wednesday Adams, I think, in the frat party. I, That's I did see that. And then also, also one thing that actually our friend Ross pointed out to us is that uh, Roger L. Jackson, who is the voice of Mojo Jojo in Powerpuff Girls, is the voice of Ghostface, and you can actually see a Mojo really? Jojo costume in the background. <laughs> I, did, I didn't That's know that. Awesome. That's <laughs> trivia. Wow. That's wow. very interesting trivia. And I'm sure if you like hit pause, you could probably find other ones, but like, yeah, they clearly, you know. I feel like they're having fun doing all that and making that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, one yeah. thing that I like can kind of get over and look past because it is like a screen movie is like how, okay, you know, it's like the dad and like the two kids, but like how like obscenely strong they all are for whoever it happens to be. Yeah, exactly. As well as the fact that like you're in New York City, but yet they're able to break into everyone's apartment. I'm like, this is just like, I know he's a cop, but cops don't have skeleton keys. Like, it's like, I'm just like, this is like, this is so impossible in New York City, but I was able to like, let that go. <laughs> yeah, mm. that, that would be, that would have been an exercise for me too, like letting it go. That, 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 I think that's like the cheat of all these movies because even like in the last one, for example, you know, you had you had um, uh, Jack Quaid as like the one killer and then the girl is the other. Well, well, the scene where she kills uh, Dewey, it's clearly the girl. And I'm like, she's not as tall as him. And she's like taking down this like grown man. It's like cheats. You got to just go. Well, the he, biggest thing for like me was. He's like a foot and a half taller. Yeah. And the biggest exactly. thing for me was we know it was the, sis, the sister or the daughter in Courtney Cox's apartment. So she not only took out her like very fit, very buff boyfriend, but then hurled his body through like, the fireplace. I'm like, okay, like, okay, she's like mad OD. Like, are they all taking steroids before they like yeah. make their kills? Like, as soon as you put on the mask, you just get superhuman strength. Just empower super strength. It's all the adrenaline. Nigga. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool that there was three killers this time. I think that was like, you know, one of the obvious necessary ways to make it sort of new. Yeah. And, um, like they were so obvious who the killers were like i kind of i kind of enjoyed that too that was almost well, kind of funny it was so obvious that you questioned it right that for right. me at least for me yeah oh yeah the, the whole thing is the whole creativity is it goes back to the original concept of uh two figures and one and one killer or one one character the, the ghost face character uh and that they they really built on that, and and that is a, a genuinely kind of new concept, you know, that you've got uh, you've got the the character, but you've got two people being. I mean, I I say you got three of them, three here this time. And well, the other thing too is 
in this in that subway scene. How many ghost faces do you have there? There's a whole. There's a lot. Yeah, I thought that was great though having it like that. So, so it's like the idea that this is um, it takes on a life of its own. Oh yeah, and I remember James, you and I were talking about that right after the movie, um, like because unfortunately our our culture, you know, if, if something like this happened, especially around Halloween. Everybody would be Ghostface for Halloween, you know. Oh, hundred so percent. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. There would be like TikTok Ghostface dances and, and <laughs> you know stab offs or whatever. Yep. It totally worked for me that the setting, like, I forget if they ever did a Scream movie around Halloween. Did they? No, but I, I remember. I think it's Scream Two that's set in the movie theater where they're doing like the the oh, meta movie and yes. everyone's in a Scream mask and so. And like, that's when someone gets stabbed, right, in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Omar Epps and um. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But again, it's like it's happening while everyone's like cheering during the movie. Yeah. Right, so nobody knows. That's yeah. Yeah, that was a great scene. But also, what what I too, even though as much as I like the the opening scene, I almost wonder if they could make a movie out of that where we, the audience, know the killer from the get go. But then, like halfway through the movie, we get the impression there's another ghost faced with their own ulterior motive, and then like you you have no idea kind of who to follow. Yeah, that was the impression I was gonna get in the beginning. I was like, are we? going into it knowing who the killer is going to be from the get-go. I thought like I thought that would be an interesting take. When, especially when he runs into Jenna Ortega's character and stuff, like they're going to meet up at the party and stuff. I was like, oh, I was like, are we going to like kind of be in the in the behind the scenes from the get-go? Yeah, exactly. I think that would be cool. I mean, just, just speaking for myself, like I, you know, I think some of the reveals of who the killers are in some of the movies are clever, but I don't really care, you know? Like I don't, I, that's not what makes or breaks the movies for me, figuring out who the killer is. So, like, I, as an audience member, would totally be open to that type of format for one of these movies. You know, just, like, going in, knowing who the killer is, and then just, like, watching uh, Sam and Sarah, like, navigate that. But the, that, that's the famous, uh, we've referred to this before, kind of distinction between mystery and horror. You know, uh, it's, it's not the, just a question of who did it. It's a question of how did he do it? Right. And uh, and I think that that plays into this. You know, yeah, you can know who the person is, but how are they doing what they're doing? You know, especially when you have multiple ghost faces coming up all the time. Right. Would you guys be excited for a Scream 7? Yes, I want. Yep. Honestly, I want full blown evil villain female sisters. I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Why? I don't know. I wouldn't be mad about it. It would just be different. <laughs> <laughs> but then who gets to be the hero? Uh, there is none. Neolithic style. Well, speaking of hero, this is obviously the first movie without Nev Campbell. And like for more kind of like behind the scenes reasons of like didn't get off enough money. But I I could certainly see a scenario where Sydney eventually does come back. But again, even with having Gail in this movie, as I mentioned earlier, like I think they're doing a good job of handing this over to the new cast and not letting the legacy characters carry it. Like you said, Gwen, we're like they're still sort of anchoring the last movie. And again, like in like something like Star Wars, where they can't let go of the old cast, it just like it doesn't work. Real and I think this well, that movie was the problem with Star Wars job. is like once you lost the original cast, it all kind of like fell apart okay. a bit, you know. Whereas like yeah, the fact that this held itself so well, even though you have Gail's character in it, like you said, she's not really one of the heroes in this one. She's more just like she's more secondary. Yes, she's yeah. much more secondary, and I thought it succeeded, which, you know, I feel like it could really be a hit or miss situation. Well, I think okay. you have to like, you have to like fully commit to it. I think the problem with star Wars, like they didn't commit to it. They're like, all right, we're still going to cram in Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. And it's like, 
you gotta let the new cast take over. It's like kind of you gotta right. pass on the baton, but right. But no, I, I agree with that. I feel like I feel like I like the characters in the last one, and like I do really like the core four in this one. Like I feel more attached to them, and even if they bring like Kirby back, for example, I feel like they really establish a good core in this one. I agree. I like the teamwork of the two sisters. I I, I hope they, they keep that. Me too. And the twins, they better keep them too. When I thought Chad was dead, I was really mad. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Which time? He got stabbed <laughs> like a, a hundred thousand times. Well, in the first movie, it wasn't as serious, right? Because you didn't really like. Again, I wasn't as invested in the new characters in the last movie. Whereas in this one, I feel like I really became invested, where I really care if they survive or not. I think I think like double-edged sword for me. I think it like mostly worked, but kind of was like, what the heck? They got stabbed so many times. I know. So it's, times. it's uh, There's a lot of vital organs getting like, compromised. <laughs> yeah. Characters that should be dead are still alive, for sure. Oh, man. But I guess that kind of works, you know, like in a world where, where Ghostface and Ghostfaces are super strong and, you know, can pick up much larger people and throw them through walls. True. It makes true, sense, right? True. Anything well, goes, yeah. It's like there's a power in the... Uh, uh, in, in the Cloak, cloak, as it were, it's something almost magical or perverse about it. That you put it on and you have this super strength. I mean, I, mm-hmm. that's that, that's again a a long-standing trope. One again, I, I feel like again, it's definitely a a, a a big liberty. But I feel like knowing that they have obviously a voice modulator and probably like bulletproof vests on, we can just assume they have whatever tech gear they need. But again, oh, totally, total totally, stretch, but like totally, yeah, they have something. And they have their shrine of all the different ghost faces. Yeah, right. yeah I mean, I did I did like all the different masks and, like, kind of, like, nodding to all the past killers and stuff. I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I liked all the individual set pieces. Like, it, it really, the, the setting worked. My biggest question, though, is who was doing all those drawings, those montage drawings? Because it was not an amateur. Yeah, maybe they called a Gwen Streets and, and <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I had no idea it was going to this horror shrine. <laughs> likely story complicit um okay well i think that kind of you know do you want to give kind of like final impressions like i think we're all pretty pretty high on this movie yeah i'll say what i've always loved about this franchise besides the meta is the whole girl power thing which has been from the beginning so the mm. fact that they're continuing that is and that it's sisters now i'm just i'm so here for that i feel like that's like a great part of it where the the female saves herself kind of thing which is like yeah a, a pretty early on idea for the first scream in a lot of ways you know which like you have to give them a lot of credit to but that it's still like that they're still carrying that that theme throughout i think is what is also like so you're so drawn to it because it's it's like kind of breaking the the normal stereotypes which they're doing across the board by doing all their tropes on themselves and like on everything in horror films and society yeah yeah, well, that's, I mean, you know, so it's both innovative and traditional at the same time, which is the mark of a really, really good work of film. Hard to do that. I agree. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I, first of all, love the New York setting, you know, not, not nearly enough good New York slashers and horror movies. So, like, just, just any, putting it in any urban environment where, like, yeah, you could conceivably get stabbed on the subway or in broad daylight and people wouldn't really care or notice. I love that. It suits like the nihilism of the franchise really well. I guess like my only complaint was just like 
I thought Sam and Tara would have, you know, kind of learned from the events of the last movie to just always double tap, you know, when, when the killer's down, just hit him again and shoot him in the face. Um, <laughs> you know, but like yeah. then we would have had a 20 minute movie. So I'm, I'm good with it. They obviously haven't solid. seen John Wick, so. Yeah. <laughs> you double tap five times. That would be a whole other movie if, if there were just like 40 ghost faces and every scene Sam and Tara were killing like three more, but then they keep coming. Hey, maybe Scream 10 will, will, will touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of wraps up today's discussion. Again, I think we're all... We're all clearly recommending Scream 6, and I think if you've liked this series and you liked the last one especially, I think you're going to like this one. And again, I, I think also for, you know, for obviously the, the series to be helmed by Wes Craven, who's such a such a prominent horror director, and for these for you know these other guys to kind of come in and, and really take over and do it so successfully is very impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of the whole thing is Wes Craven's best work. I think it's a lot better than the whole Nightmare on Elm Street uh, uh, series. I agree. I'd agree too. Um, okay. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode of 10 Times the Terror. Again, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. I'm Danny. We'll catch you guys next time. Hoo-ah! Thank you for listening to It's 10 Times the Terror. The podcast. One of my favorite films ever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that for you. Thank you for listening to 10 Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.